Recording in progress. Welcome to another edition of the Tom Green Podcast. As, as you had just heard on the audio edition, the recording is indeed in progress. And the recording this time is with another super fan guest. We're continuing the super fan trend here in the Tom Green Podcast as I just received a tweet from Aaron Kate Dolan. Let's go um, FanDuel from FanDuel there. Detroit plus five cash. I like that. If the Bulls won, then part of my parlay hits. With that said, knowing I'm with Betts and he's with a new baby named Taven, I apologize if I mispronounce that. He is the one, the only, the super fan, the meme super fan, Alex DeWitt. Welcome to the show. Hey, Tom. It's great to be back on the show for the first time in two years because last year wasn't really much of a show after everything going on in your career. So good to be back and seeing normal schedules for you. Exactly. Back to more office hours and evening stuff for sports. But you know what? That's what I've wanted to do. That's what I've been doing freelance for many years, and I'm finally starting to get paid for it for the Huron Daily Tribune. So really enjoying what I'm doing, and I'm sure Alex is really enjoying what he's doing right now. Yeah, it's it's definitely closer to the thing that I well, it's back to what I what I went to school for, and it's also in a uh, industry that I enjoy. So it's two big pluses right off the bat. Definitely. So both getting our lives well on track, and Alex is actually the real daddy now. As uh, I'm kind of the the daddy <laughs> when it comes to different stuff with the dad bod and all that good stuff, and he's the actual daddy that has the that has a kid. Don't- don't creep them out too much, Tom. <laughs> we can call it the dad pod tonight. <laughs> For sure. So, this weekend is a very, very important weekend. Not only for the MHSA, as it's week nine in high school football, and I will announce on the... Central. <laughs> there we go. I'm an Essexville Garber guy transplanted to the Greater Thumb Conference. And I will announce on this podcast exclusively that next week we will have a Thumb Area Coaches Playoff Preview Podcast. I have already got two coaches that have agreed to come on the podcast. It will most likely be audio only at this point, which is fine. But we have a Thumb Area Coaches show for the first round of the playoffs. Going to be coming to you towards the end of the week, probably Thursday of next week, and you're going to enjoy some Thumb Area Playoff Preview for that. So uh, keep tuned in for that. And as for this show, we got three games to preview. We're kind of winging this show because the last two podcasts I've kind of winged it anyway, and it turned out to be pretty good content. So I figured, you know, let's wing it this time. And so we're going to start off with... um, We're going to start off getting the easy one out of the way, and that's Michigan Northwestern. First of all, Michigan 6-0. Any thoughts on that to start out? Uh, They're 6-0, but even though they're ranked fairly high, I'm still not sold on the offense. Uh, All the uh, press says that uh, McNamara is getting better, the offense is getting better, but it's like the last decade, it's always, oh, the season starts slow, but they're a good team, and they'll get better, they'll get better, they run into a wall of good teams. And that's just the end of this end of the real con- contention of the season. So I'm glad they're undefeated. I'm glad they're already bowl eligible. But until they beat a really good Michigan State squad and a really good Ohio State squad in the same year, and this could be a year, 
I'm not sold on Michigan being champions yet. They say that those who stay will be champions, but the championship hasn't happened since 2004. If you think about it, maybe even 2011 with the Sugar Bowl, but it's yeah. it's the reality of the situation, and it's unfortunate for us Michigan fans. But at least we're telling we're we're telling you the god honest truth, and that's how Alex thinks. How my thought is, the bye week came at the right time because they had to squeak out of Nebraska with a win, and I was skeptical that that win was even going to happen. So I'm glad that that happened. But the thing is, even in my mind. Excuse me. Even had they lost to Nebraska, even had they lost, I would say they're still a good team, and that's because remember the Michigan State team of 2015. One dud game and plowed through everything else. Guess where that one dud game was? I don't remember that 2015 season very well. Nebraska in November. Uh. It happened in November, and a lot of Michigan fans, including yours truly, thought that's it for them for their playoff hopes. We were proven wrong, but Michigan State was shut out in the playoffs by Alabama, if we remember that. No other. Yeah. No other. (laughs) Exactly. They They got shut out by Alabama. But the thing is, Jim Harbaugh, I feel, said it best. I know Jim Harbaugh is a crazy man, but guess what? So am I, and even Alex knows. George Patton got it done on the ground. Neil Armstrong got it done through the air. Michigan can get it done on the ground much more efficiently than they've gotten it done in the air. But there make no bones about it. Running is their game. Very old school mentality that, you know, still epitomizes a lot of uh, Big Ten football outside of essentially Ohio State and sometimes Maryland to a less uh, extent of success. But... I mean, if you're in contention and you can win the games regularly, that's that's a decent strategy. Just remember that a lot of college football has changed without the Big Ten. We've seen them drop from relevance in the aughts and the 90s to now where they're the second-best conference consistently. And even then, that gets rivaled by the top tier of the ACC. And for a couple of years, uh, a decade ago, the, the Pac-12. So there's a always a caution to... Uh, st- sticking with what you know, but so far they're still number two out of five as a conference, so you can't really complain too much. Exactly. With the SEC most likely getting Georgia in the playoff, is there any chance, and this is, you know, this is kind of just throwing it out there as a Tom Green podcast exclusive question, is there a chance of potentially two Big Ten teams getting the playoff? No, because of uh, inherent SEC bias with college football. And for even though I hate it, there is good reason for it. The teams at the top are very good. Um, even with Alabama's one loss, if they win out, I see them still getting in and still being, having two SEC teams fighting in. And even though it's going to annoy everyone and their mother, we could see a two SEC Cincinnati and a slot machine for the um, in the playoffs, and who knows what's going to happen. So... It, it's very interesting that we could see that happen still, and the Big Ten still get one one person in, maybe, and it, they they just flop around. Yeah, as much as I'd like to see two Big Ten teams in the playoff, one of them is going to lose in the Big Ten title game, and like Alex said, because of let's let's you know let's not sugarcoat this, the SEC bias of the of the playoff. If there's if a conference is going to get two teams in, it's going to be the SEC, and it's going to be Georgia and Alabama. 
So moving back to Michigan and Northwestern, Northwestern is a team that we've seen in the Big Ten title game two consecutive seasons, but pretty obvious that that's not going to happen this year. No, Northwestern's one of those teams that they're good for a couple years and they fall off the map. Um, just seems to be their program history where they're like, oh, they're here, they're good, and all of a sudden, oh, they're here, they're not good. And they're you know treading water this season, but that's treading water even in the weaker division is not going to get you to a conference championship. I mean, yeah, Iowa lost a terrible game, but that's not enough to thrill the conference, especially because Wisconsin's doing the same thing they are. So they're going to be uh, stop fighting Wisconsin for second place in the in the West. So there's no real way that they can get to that level. They're going to be they're going to be getting a first uh, first week of bowl season uh, invite, and even then they might be going out to you know Spudville, Idaho, or something crazy like that. The famous Idaho Potato Bowl, where you see a massive waste of French fries, which yours truly thinks. God, I could just put some ketchup on some of those, and oh man, that would be so good. <laughs> and usually, you see a Mac team get pummeled. That, usually, that, that be my recollection of that ball. <laughs> or unless it's Frank Solich in Ohio, which unfortunately Solich has retired. But we've seen the memes of Frank Solich getting drenched with fries after the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. <laughs> so, yeah, as we can tell, Northwestern's one of those. Let's just face it, if Northwestern could play every game at Ryan Field at 11 a.m., they would probably be national contenders, at least I would think. Home field advantage is still a thing in college football to a major extent. But I think I think if Northwestern gave the MAC or, you know, maybe the um, American Conference, they could be making a run. But when you have to play, you know, teams like Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State this year and Iowa, mm-hmm. it, it that you can't get rid of all five of those games in a single season, so it, it's impossible to run that up with a team that's just scraping by. Now, I'm not saying that against Cincinnati. I'm, I'm just saying that, that this is a year that Northwestern might be able to be in the same position if the cards uh, ran right in that conference. And that's the thing is, I remember last year watching that Big Ten title game at work. And it was a few seconds behind, but it was just pure torture watching Trey Sermon just weave through that Northwestern defensive line. It's like, oh, the horror. Oh, goodness. Which, side note, this probably will not surprise you, but um, Ernie Fox, he he now currently works at the Fox in Flint, uh, that radio station. I had to train him for the day shift on Saturday at at WLEW, the radio station. I kid you not, um, I trained him for the first hour or so, and he knew most of what he had to do. That literally turned into me eating donuts and watching college game day and then uh, uh, Indiana-Ohio State. Well, we were both watching Indiana-Ohio State for the second half of the training session. I'd say you, know, you found a good employee that, that, that knows the industry. They just hop right in and learn it. They just know. Exactly, and in my industry... It was easy because all he had to do was watch college game day and make sure he was he was working. Which, as, as the guy he was, I I had no doubts. So <laughs> it was it was a good Saturday for yours truly, despite IU losing by seven to Ohio State. But that was pretty much the mainstay of my day shift on Saturdays during college football season last year. <laughs> now that I'm out of that station, I will gladly shout that to the heavens. But. Um, <laughs> 
How does Northwestern come into the big house and beat Michigan? Keys to the game. Um, luck, turnovers, and possibly um, sneaking a 12th person on the field um, uh, during every play. Uh, Michigan's defense has been pretty good, and it's probably one of the more rounded teams that's been around in a long time. Um, offensively, Northwestern, again, they just exist. They, there's not anyone that's on any radar. They're able to make plays, but they're not able to be consistently good or have a playmaker that can be the it factor. So Michigan's going to have to commit a lot of mistakes, which, trust me, I've seen them do it multiple times in, in my um, years watching Michigan football. But it's going to take some luck or, honestly, a bunch of terrible uh, injuries to turn the tide, I think, at, at this point for Northwestern. For Northwestern to win. Yep, I I definitely agree with that. Mike East and Northwestern winning are catch Michigan sleeping because after a bye week, you never know what can happen. Win the turnover game. I'm sure we have know, we know what I say about turnovers, and I'll say that especially during the Lions-Rams preview. And, you know, just uh, you know, um, stopping Michigan in the red zone if you can. I mean, that. let's be honest, the offense has been meh in the red zone because they've had they had to rely on some field goals two weeks ago let's be honest here so they have been vulnerable in the red zone if they can stop them there they do have some sort of a chance and of course as the michigan fans we are we have seen the michigan team lose games that they really should win so i'm a little nervous about this 23 and a half point spread i'll be honest but (laughs) i am not nervous about the money line right now how does michigan come in and beat northwestern uh, pound the rock, play close on on, on, on uh, defensive passing, and hold the lines. Um, I mean, fairly standard, fair for what you would hope a football team can do, but they need to make sure they don't, like, like you mentioned, don't want to catch them sleeping. And we've seen that before in, in all levels of football. A team comes off a of bye week, and all of a sudden they're, you know, big favorites, and they just crash and burn. So obviously we don't want that this week, but – be able to just keep their fundamentals even mostly in check, then they'll should be able to uh, roll over the uh, Northwestern defense, uh, put up some points, and keep the uh, scoring to a minimum for Northwestern. Hold the line. Duh, 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 duh. Love isn't always on time. Hold the line. That's definitely the first point of the keys to the game for yours truly. Hold that line. Make sure the defensive line cannot penetrate through it. George Patton got it done on the the ground. Run the ball, pound the rock, get a couple touchdowns with Hassan Haskins. You got yourself yourself a 14-0 lead. Get J.J. McCarthy some snaps because he needs them. Defense, get at least one turnover, win the turnover game. If you do you're going to cover the 23.5-point spread. Who comes out on top before we go into our next preview and the game we're going to that Saturday? Uh, I'm going to say um, Michigan uh, probably 40 to 20. It's going to be a it, – it, it's probably I, – I, the 23-point spread is quite large for a Big Ten game when it's not, you know, Rutgers after they just lost, you know, a, a team to – against a team by 60 like a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But – I I, I think it's going to be a comfortable win for Michigan. Again, I'm a little nervous about the 23.5-point spread, but when the money line is four digits, you should never be worried 
unless it's Appalachian State in 2007. Michigan, 31, Northwestern, 14. I do think Northwestern gets on the board simply because it's a Big Ten team in the Big Ten Conference, but at the end of the day, Michigan's got it, I really do feel. So that said, we move to the 3.30 game, or the 12.30 game, where we're going. Yes, indeed, yours truly and our guest are going out to Los Angeles, California, and we're going to have quite a quite a good time at UCLA and Oregon to start out. So it's a Pac-12 game. Anything at all have you seen from either of these squads that we're going to be watching Saturday? Oh, look, UCLA's history of, of a crowd for home games when they're not ranked has not been, you know, Big Ten levels of uh, powerful because even when Michigan's not ranked, it's always full. So that'll be a little bit di- different for us if they don't fill. But it is homecoming weekend for UCLA. Mean they'll suck. Oregon is Oregon. They're good, but that's true. Even some of the even some of the writers are saying that they're a good team, but are they really deserving of this? Because their loss was pretty ugly, and their win last week against the Cal team that has no business even competing. I uh, took them to the ropes. Before, Don't mean uh, to interrupt, but we did miss the end of your UCLA thing. It did cut off a little bit. Wow. UCLA crowds. Yeah, if it, it's homecoming week. I, I believe that that's what you might have missed. Homecoming week at UCLA. So they'll be able to, they should be able to fill like a um, Michigan or. A Michigan or a Nebraska. That it cut off again for some reason. I must not like when you talk about that, but we get the drift. Anyway, continue. <laughs> um, what I'm trying to, I, I just turned off notifications again. So let's see if that fixes it this time. That could have been um, it. I, the, but Oregon's been a, dec- a, a decent team, but ranked really high for a decent team. But it's Pac 12, who's traditionally, well, I say traditionally, but college football player isn't that old that has since the college football playoffs been around has not been a good conference. Um, UCLA is doing good, but they have two stumbling losses, including against a um, group of five team that had no business really winning that game uh, on paper. So it's a matter of will the home crowd manage it? And it looks like the books are saying it should, but it's looking like a uh, tight game um, by, by, by the experts predictions and, and I'm hoping so, because it'd be really fun to, to go to the Rose Bowl and have a really tight game. I'm definitely excited to see the Rose Bowl for the first time in a game. I have been to the Rose Bowl once before, back in 2014. But it was for um, it was just after a baptism of my niece. And I was I was basically telling my brother and I, and even then, even even Alex knows then. I can lay things pretty straight. I, I'm a real nice guy, but I like to lay things pretty straight. Sometimes I get burned with that. What I pretty much said to him was, hey, I know I'm coming out for a baptism, but if I'm going to be just sitting around all weekend in, in, in um, Toluca Lake, California, I'd rather be sitting down all weekend in Essexville, Michigan. We're going to do stuff this weekend or else I'm not going. And he said, all right, let's go take a Rose Bowl tour. All right, you got it. And we got a Rose Bowl tour. I got a Rose Bowl tour out of it, which was a lot of fun. I got to see UCLA's locker room. I got to stand in the end zone of the Rose Bowl with my Michigan shirt on because I knew it was going to the Rose Bowl. Had to wear, had to represent Michigan out there. I won't be doing that this Saturday because I'll look really weird. But 
it was fun to be there, and I'm excited to be there for an actual game. As far as the previews go, you were talking about UCLA a little bit. My thought is Dorian Thompson-Robinson is an armpit-to-armpit-and-beyond quarterback. And I'm talking about the back of the jersey. I don't know how it's how you can fit Thompson-Robinson on the back of that jersey. But one thing is clear. It's a Chip Kelly team, and they're going to run a Chip Kelly offense. And Chip Kelly offense works in college football, but as we saw, not in the NFL. So as far as this game goes, UCLA is a good team. But how great exactly, and I'll say that in quotes, great, is Oregon, we shall see. Yeah, and we'll also get to have the fun of um, seeing uh, Oregon probably put on a um, eye-piercing uniform combination because, you know, they're the ordained Nike school from hell um, in terms of uniform combos. So what what what, what um, cornea-shattering uh, extravaganza will we get to see? Well, at this point... I don't think um, they've released it, so that'll be a surprise. Certain, and as we've seen, Alex's corneas have already been quite pierced as he's wearing glasses and I'm not. So it's it's uh, he's already had the full-on experience of cornea-piercing jerseys. But I, I will not be wearing my um, Alliance of American Football jersey because it is uh, Washington Huskies colors, and let's face it, Doing that at UCLA will not end well, even though it is not the Washington Huskies team. <laughs> Which I will, I'll, I will comment a little bit on Washington fans. They're cool. I've been around some Washington fans, not talked to them a lot personally, but when I was at Conroe O'Neill's in Ann Arbor watching the Oregon Ohio State game, there were a lot of Washington fans in the bar, and they were rooting for Ohio State simply because Oregon is their is their yeah. rival, and then they and they were cool. I mean, they were they're not a bad group at all. So. Credit to Washington fans, but we're going to UCLA, Oregon, and I'm excited to see what those two fan bases have to offer. So we can go ahead and skip keys to the game. Who's who's winning? Uh, I'm going to put UCLA by a field goal. I mean, that technically covers, but, you know, three points is nothing in college football when the offenses get churning. Uh, for a high-scoring game, 43-40, to 40, just, just keep the numbers up. I'd be really nice to see a... Um, just an offensive explosion on both teams because Oregon can do the same thing. They've been able to do that forever, even though their defense has been terrible. But they're able to put up a ton of points in the right situations, and I think they'll try so that they can keep fighting for their playoff hopes. Certainly. My thought is um, Thibodeau, I believe, is, is he back or is he still out? Not sure. I'm going to go ahead and consider him out, and if that's the case, I think UCLA wins by more than a field goal. If he's back in, three on the button is a tough spread. You have it as a push. I'm going to go ahead and say that Oregon covers, but 42-40, to 40, UCLA wins. <laughs> slide right underneath there. Slide right underneath, the, slide underneath that cover. Oregon covers, but UCLA wins. So with that, we talked about the game that we're going to go to, but the main game we're going to go to, and you can see it's quite darkened, but he's representing his team tonight, and that is we are going to SoFi Stadium on Sunday, and we're going to watch some Lions-Rams. It's been six years in the making, 
And, of course, Murphy's Law stated that it had to be on the last week of Michigan high school football season and the first season that I'm covering um, thumb area sports. But guess what? Sometimes things happen. And so how excited are you to see the Stan Kroenke um, Inglewood SoFi Stadium? I'm pumped. I mean, the big plus about the stadium itself, in, in my opinion, is that it was it was funded by the, the owner, um, unlike a lot of stadiums that are not funded by the owners, they're funded by the residents, sometimes without their consent. But um, the last home game for the Rams against the Lions was in St. Louis. We were there for that. Mm-hmm. So we now have a tradition. Yep, we made a pact right when we got tickets to that game that every time the Lions were playing the Rams, we were going. The last three times, it was in Detroit. So, Which is surprising because of how the NFL does scheduling. That's, that's like a rarity to have that many games in a row in one location for a cross-conference. Usually you get two, not three. Yeah. Yes, because one... Because the first time they were they were to just become the LA Rams, Jeff Fisher was still coaching, and your sign and, got and a smirk. wasn't even starting yet. Yep, and your sign got a smirk out of Jeff Fisher, the greatest show on turf remains in St. Louis. Remember that one. Uh, the second time they became the LA Rams, but they were the Aaron Donald smashes his helmet to the ground after he gets ejected. LA Rams. That was worth it. I mean, I mean. Donald has a temper, but it was worth it. <laughs> it was fun to watch, for sure. And then, of yeah. course, the last time we saw the beginning of the Sean McVay greatest show on L.A. turf, L.A. Rams that didn't win the Super Bowl because they ran into the Patriots' stout defense. Oh, trust me, I was there. I know. I had to deal with uh, drunken Brady files all around me, drinking their Stella Artois, um, claiming that um, he was the uh, God's gift to, to mankind. Trust me. I'm aware of what happened to that Super Bowl in Atlanta. <laughs> which that which reminds me now, because it's an Alex DeWitt show, we have to ask the trademark brand question. What kind of drinks does SoFi Stadium sell? Are they a Coke team or are they a Pepsi team? Or are they seven up? Like I St. Have not Louis looked, and I and I doubt they follow the seven up plan from St. Louis, because that was also that was very bizarre to see in St. Louis to see RC Cola and Sundrop, but I was I was okay with that. Um I've not seen my guess is they're gonna follow the NFL standard of Pepsi. Um but I mean because the stadium only kind of opened last year, there's not really a thing on their concessions. Um so not much has really been pushed because people are going are going. They're not going to right. you know critique. They're going because they haven't been able to go. So I'm gonna take a shot at Pepsi. Like say Odds, two to one on Pepsi. I'm pretty confident in that. I would say so. And uh, the odds of me drinking Cherry Coke slash Cherry Pepsi on this trip is minus 50,000. Like that? (laughs) Exactly. Like I said, minus 50,000 odds. So don't even put a penny on it because all you're going to win is a penny. Even if you put 10,000 bucks down on it. I'm going to be drinking some type of cherry Pepsi or cherry Coke during this trip. Now, is it infused with a little alcohol? We shall see over the weekend. But still, I'm going to be drinking some cherry Coke slash cherry Pepsi over this weekend. So the Rams, they look like world beaters with the exception of the Cardinals. Tell us about it. 
Uh, Rams have been doing really good this year. Um, Stafford did what most people thought Stafford would do. He lost the shackles of a team that has not given him a supporting cast outside of a single player for most of his career, and he's letting it rip. I, I'm sorry, Tom. Unfortunately, facts are facts. It's true, though. I, I, I say this thumbs down, so but this is also a thumbs down at the Fords, too. Um, Stafford's doing really well. Uh, the defense has had some issues, but has been tolerable. Uh, the running game has been injury-ridden, but considering the rest of the uh, NFC West, yeah, it's just part of the course this year. Everyone seems to have issues of running back except for Arizona, and, you know, Everyone's looking up at them, which is kind of a scary thought. If Arizona's good, then this whole division's dead. Um, so teams do really well. I everyone's everyone seems to be clicking. I haven't had any major locker issues. The biggest thing we actually broke earlier this week was about this game was that I uh, some unknown drama around the trade came up, um, and McVeigh's partially apologizing for how he handled the trade with not telling Goff beforehand even though it was kind of rumored in the media for what it's a three or four weeks before it happened. I apparently it was done in a pretty quick timeline and without the consent, which you don't need consent, but it's, you know, nice to give your signal color consent um, as um, on the trade. Yeah. And so far golf, who I I thought he's been, he was okay the first few weeks, but last week being there, Oh boy, that I'm doing he is playing exactly how I expected him to against the busted offensive line. We saw this in 2020 and for parts of 2019 um, with God, when the offensive line has injuries, he's worse than a stool um, in, in a bar where everyone's dancing. No one's going to, no one's going to like it. They're going to kick him around. Like there's no good, there's no good situation for God because he's always been one of those who takes that extra half second to determine what he wants to do. You can't do that in the NFL for very long before they figure it out. And they figured it out in LA um, pretty well last year. And obviously when the um, uh, they played the Patriots in Super Bowl and against the Lions in 19, they figured it out then too. Uh, there's a way to beat Goff, and it just takes a little bit of pressure or a bad O-line. And the Lions have had a terrible time on the offensive line. Aside, aside from the rest of the team, offense line has been a big problem. Yeah, and I thought going into this year that the offensive line would actually be a strength of this team. Well, injuries have said otherwise, but that's that's got to be the quote of this week, is when Goff doesn't have an offensive line, he's as bad as a stool at a bar when people are dancing around. That's That's got to be the quote of this week, and it's a good one because I'm imagining this stool and people and a bunch of, a bunch of us dancing around, and wow, yeah. I see I see that for sure. So um as far as my take goes on these Lions at this point I think that was probably the worst of the worst. That's probably the worst Lions game I have ever seen. And I and I and I know that Tennessee on Thanksgiving in 2008 happened. And I know that <laughs> Tampa Bay on the day after Christmas of 2020 happened. But guess what? This was the worst of the worst. And the reason why is the answer is not firing everybody because everybody was fired at the end of last year. This is an entirely new staff, an entirely new quarter. Well, quarterback experience, yes, he has. Um, But he is on a new team with an offensive line that is busted up that we didn't expect to see. And so this is the worst of the worst. I don't know what to do. 
I don't know what to expect. But one thing I do expect is that I'm going to have an awesome time at this stadium, whether or not the Lions lose 75 to nothing. It's going to be a fun and, time and, at SoFi Stadium. And and, and that, that that's something that, I mean, 75 is probably unrealistic in the NFL, but it, it is possibly um, approaching blowout territory. I mean, it's, it's line is currently, I think I have it marked at 21. I think uh, it's like 12 and a half, I think, the last I checked. I, 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 th- I thought it was, okay, I'm, I'm, I might have got it backwards on my notes. But um, the the problem is is that you're also looking at Stafford going, I'm finally released to my chains. I'm going to put these people in my in, in, in their place. And if he comes with that mentality, and like like last last week in the Giants where he just um, he, he got pulled because they were so far ahead. You don't see that happen in the NFL very often anymore. Usually they're in even if they're up two, uh, two to three scores. They, they pulled first-team offense and most of first-team defense in the middle of the fourth quarter against the Giants, who are about the same level as the Lions. And Stafford is something to play for prove that you know yes i belong in a team that you know appreciates my talents more so if he comes with that fire that i think he could it could be a really bad game for detroit lions fans and i'm sure fox will pull it from um uh, from uh live play um locally if um if if the game runs late because of it well here's the thing i believe at the start of the season this was supposed to be a 425 win no game it has moved to the 405 window. So the so the worst thing is for fans around this part of the area, not only are you going to see this potential blowout, you are going to have to miss the games in the one o'clock window on Fox because of it. Because they don't play they, they don't pay for both both slots in our market anymore. Because if it's a four oh five, you only get the four oh five. You don't get the one PM kickoffs. Now, CBS might have a one o'clock game that you'll be you'll be able to watch, but that's the drawback of having a 405 kick. If I were a Browns fan, I would have been pissed off last week that Browns-Cardinals was a 405 game in Cleveland. If it were in Arizona, that's like, well, it's Arizona. They're on mountain-slash-Pacific time, dependent on the dependent on the time change. Fine, it's what it is. But in Cleveland at 405? Um, I'm not too happy about that as an NFL fan. Well, then, the, if you notice, there's been some weird quirks on the scheduling and uh, what's live on um, uh, for NFL uh, NFL this year. There was an issue at the end of the uh, Bengals uh, Packers game where they cut the feed in overtime to go to Cowboys in uh, in, in Green Bay local markets. They switched to Cowboys during overtime of that game, right before Mason Crosby made that kick, and yeah. that's been a thing um, that that seems like. It's not necessarily Fox doing it specifically, but it's an NFL scheduling thing where they're trying to fill all the um, um, fill all the time possible and tripping over their own feet. Yes, because here in this market, we got to see the Crosby field goal, regrettably, but we got to see the Crosby field goal. So it's something I've been fascinated with for since since you know 2006 when we started talking about football and everything so <laughs> that's something about that for sure so um i guess big thing is here um instead of how do the rams beat the lions and how do the lions beat the rams do the lions have any sort of shot at beating the rams i will say that there is essentially one realm to go on and it's keep the defense uh, Keep the defensive backs uh, scrambling, um, moving around the field after every play. 
keep the um, zones really, really soft because you know Stafford can throw deep and just hope that you come down with a couple of interceptions, especially if they're close to the end zone. Because if you can stall drives, you can win games. But you have to keep that defense cycling. And let's face it, the depth of the Lions' defense is nothing to put a, a hat on. It's pretty rough. So they're going to have to um, grab some lucky uh, throws. For sure. And I think the one the one standout piece, and I'm saying standout because I this piece has surprised me, in this Rams offense is Van Jefferson. Nobody knew of him. Maybe some Rams fans like you knew of yeah. Van Jefferson to start the year. But the only time we heard about Van Jefferson was when he threw that, or when Stafford threw that touchdown pass for his first one, I believe, as a Ram to Van Jefferson on Sunday night. And everybody's like, who? Van Jefferson has been a solid beast in this offense since Stafford joined. Yeah, the, um, and there's just so many weapons that Stafford can throw to that you you have if you you can't double team anyone because you can leave another star receiver wide open. I mean, sure, Desha- Deshaun Jackson's aging, so he's not as fast as he was he was with the Eagles. And Cup's really good in his slot position, and uh, Robert Woods is you know a clear uh, outside receiver. Like, who do you go to that? you can put extra coverage on and you really can't you playing man with a, with a defense that's as uh, soft as the lions is right now is a death sentence because staff has always been good at um, picking up on man coverage. So it's a death sentence if the lions play, play man um, as a standard uh, defensive scheme. Yeah. And the thing is, if they go ahead and decide to double team, one of those wide receivers, Tyler Higby is going to be open and Stafford's just going to throw to Higby. Mm-hmm. And Unlike the last year and a half when Goff's offensive line melted, offensive line has been a pretty pretty strong for the Rams this year. Stafford hasn't been sacked a ton, and Stafford's able to move a little bit, unlike last year where Goff had no chance to really move when he was under pressure. So, like, even when the protection breaks down, Stafford's had some time. And, I mean, Rams' schedule hasn't really been the toughest outside of the Cardinals game, but it, it, it's not like they're playing, you know, New York, Jacksonville, Miami three weeks in a row. It's going to look like that in a couple of weeks after they after they finish uh, this stretch, but the previous schedule has not been the easiest in the NFL. And let's not forget that the Bears actually made that game close because of their yeah. defense. So, um, yeah, we can go ahead and skip keys to the game because, well, I think we kind of know who's winning it, and the, and the thing that we all know that I say on this show, and I'll say it again, is turnovers great at Arby's, not on the field won't be an Arby's near LA, but guess what? Jack in the box is pretty good too. Who's uh, let's, let's go ahead and ask, uh, are the Rams going to cover? Um, quite possibly. I, if, if Stafford jumps up to his, um, to his big lead, I think you can, I think we'll be able to hold it. Um, the only reason they wouldn't would be, Fourth quarter goes all second team, and they do it. And the Lions pull what the Giants did last week and keep uh, pushing, because that was a big thing on the, in the Rams um, fan world. Is that we're, they're on second string? Uh, the Rams put out second string. Or Giants kept first string out, and they kept pounding. And that, that that's the only reason why they scored that touchdown in the fourth quarter was they just kept pounding. Hurry up, offense! No no stoppage. Just keep throwing. I mean, yeah, it's a uh, stat stat pattern, but. It, you're so far out of the game in the middle of the fourth quarter that you're essentially just 
bullying your player, your own player, doing that with those play calling. Gotcha. So at least I think in this game, if there's any chance that Detroit's going to win, they at least, they're at least going to show up. I mean, Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell's the right guy. They're on some sort of a path. It may not seem like a great path right now, but they've got. He's a just on the worst possible path, possible uh, worst possible path out there. Yeah, and they've got they've got draft picks from you guys. The Rams don't have another first draft pick until Taven is in school. Let's uh, let's win be now. honest here. Win now. <laughs> so the Rams are pretty much in a win now mood, and so as far as this goes, say your prayers and hope for something good, Lions, but. I say Rams thirty-seven, Lions ten. I'm going. I was, that bad. I was going. I was going to go like forty-two seventeen. So that that's pretty close. Yeah, I don't see a whole lot because who does who can Goff throw to? One and two, Jamal Williams is pretty much what they got in the backfield, and DeAndre Swift. And DeAndre Swift is not bad, and it's not his fault that he's struggling. Because remember this offensive line, but still. Ooh, this team. Oh man, nothing to expect. Thirty-seven to ten. You've got forty-two to seventeen. Ooh, Nelly, this is going to be bad. But at least you're going to have a great time out in L.A. We're going to be meeting some great people. Hopefully, fingers crossed. <laughs> and and don't forget, we're also going to the, to the Staples Center, not for the Lakers, because Lakers tickets are expensive. And see the Clippers. So we'll get to see a basketball game. I don't know who to cheer for, but I'm going to have fun. Exactly. Clippers-Grizzlies is going to be our nightcap on Saturday. And then Sunday, Sunday and Monday, we're just going to wing it and see what's good out in L.A. and then head back and have some fun back here. So it's going to be a great, going to be a great time. Enjoy. And we're going to have a lot of fun. I'm excited for it. Friday morning is coming. So with that all said, it's time for that segment in the... Tom Green podcast, and that is the rapid fire pickums. Now they're not rapid fire, of course, so I just call them pickums nowadays because we analyze the games anyway. So who cares? But we got the meme picks, and because Alex actually was the creator of the meme picks, because every week he would do meme picks. So looking forward to this segment now as the guest portion of this show. So we got I the come down They're right in front of me. Gotcha. So he's frantically looking over his notes, and I'll fill in some air time before, uh, of course, he comes back on video on the video part of the show. But we got eight games this week. No, uh, no ranked versus ranked this week because the slate is ugh. Really, it's it's ugh. But yeah, we're gonna see the best we can do out of it. I was kind of hoping that you would uh, put in the Appalachian State game just for giggles, but you 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 didn't pick that one this week. So I didn't because of the timing of the show. Had mm. we done this a couple of nights ago, I probably would have put that in there. But because of the timing of the show, when it's released, the game would have already played by the time it's out there. So I have to think That's about those point. that are listening to the show in the future. So to start off, an interesting one in Annapolis. Wake Forest and Army. Who would have thought that Wake Forest would be a ranked? 
I can't think of the last time Wake Forest was actually a decent football team, like like this decent of a football team. Like, yeah, they can go to bowl games, but they're not usually a team that competes in the ACC. Is Chris a, Paul playing for them? What is this sorcery? Yeah. And then, you know, Army's always, always got their uh, triple option, which is highly effective even in down years for offense. So mm-hmm. you can never really count them out. Right. So... My my pick for them is uh, well the team name is I want you to wake me up when Dee Dee gets to Dexter's laboratory Wake Forest <laughs> the Dexter's laboratory reference yes and I and the for the real fans of Dexter's laboratory know what I mean when I say laboratory he picks Wake Forest oh this is a tough one I Army covered at Wisconsin at home. I am actually going to go contrarian and pick Army. Be simply based off the fact that they covered at Wisconsin. Army 21, Wake Forest 17. Um, it's going to be a close one, and I wouldn't be surprised if Wake won by two scores, to be honest. Because that's how the triple option goes. Is if it's effective, look out. If it's not, they're going to get blown out. Speaking of Wisconsin, to the Big Ten. Wisconsin and Purdue. If anybody thought Purdue would beat Iowa this year before before Saturday before last Saturday, whatever you're smoking, you need to give it up to people who make real life decisions because you are a genius. Um, <laughs> where was this Purdue team? You know, the past few years, like Purdue's been god awful for the most part. I'm, I'm, I, I love it when when they're good because it's a team that never really is good. So. Man, I'm loving the, um, the that they're on this because and they're, they're ranked like that's just like wow. I'm, I I love to see it. Good deal. So are you are you uh, are you Purduing the Purdue or what's or what's your pick? It's it's the drum trains, the drum trains, the drum trains, which is Purdue. Ever since Joe Tiller left Purdue and sadly has now passed on, Purdue has just not been. Purdue, pretty much they've been more of Purdue. This game is in West Lafayette. They've beaten Iowa. No reason how they can't beat Wisconsin because Graham Mertz and that Wisconsin team is kind of a shell of themselves. Give me Purdue 31, Wisconsin 20. Higher scoring because games in West Lafayette tend to be higher scoring. The shell of themselves Clemson against the Pat Narduzzi Pitt. I've I've got to go with the home team this time, uh, the Pity Kitties. Um, the Pittsburgh is a school that is you know doing decent this year. Uh, Clemson's just falling apart, which is not what nobody really expected. They were expected to you know compete for a playoff spot again, and if they don't make it at this point, I'm okay with it. Just like if Alabama just disappears, I'm okay with that for a couple seasons. Let someone else play, but. I mean, it's got to happen eventually, and this year is Clemson's year to just disappear. So I don't think Clemson's going to win this one. I, I'm almost wondering if Clemson's even going to be bowl eligible, I mean, traditional bowl eligible. They might get in at a five win, but I don't – I mean, they're just playing so poorly that they're going to have to prove themselves in a lot of games here. That is interesting. That's the first I've heard anybody talk about <laughs> if Clemson's even going to be bowl eligible. That is interesting. Pitt lost to Western Michigan – but Clemson is is a shell of themselves. 
This one's a toughie for me to pick. I've gone contrarian with you once. I'm actually going to go contrarian twice and pick Clemson by a field goal. But Pittsburgh is possibly the better team in this game. Who would have thought that on Labor Day weekend? Not I, said the Tom. Nobody. Nobody. Clemson 27, Pittsburgh 24. It could very easily be the other way. Barstool is going to be at this game, and Saturday Night Football is going to be there as well. OSU and Indiana. You can tell the slate's bad when this is expected to be a, a hot game for prime time. Um, Ohio State's, you know, they lost that game to Oregon, but it's still Ohio State. Indiana, Phoenix is not the um, quarterback that everyone thought he would be after last season. So, I mean, the spread in this one is gargantuan. And there's a reason. I, I have to go with, how do I write that down? The chocolate-covered peanut butter treats because it's just too easy. It, 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 I I don't see them dropping this game. They may drop two more this season, Ohio State, but I don't think this is the one. The chocolate-covered peanut butter treats, the actual, the real Buckeyes. The good Buckeyes. <laughs> exactly. That's what he's talking about. The spread is too high. If we were picking this ATS, I would be very inclined to pick Indiana, but since we're only picking it straight up, I got to go Ohio State. Indiana is not what they were last year, but Tom Allen is still a very good coach. LEO, OSU 31, Indiana 17. Moving to the NFL slate, we've got Falcons and Dolphins. Well, these teams exist. Um, yes. The, the the Dolphins were expected to continue last year's high and have faltered at every level. The uh, uh, Falcons continue their long, slow, sad decline into um, uh, irrelevance. Uh, Matt Ryan's career is probably going to end in Atlanta, either at the end of the season or just, you know, retire with the team and he doesn't play another snap because it's been a terrible year. And, I mean, yeah. I don't I, I don't think Matt Ryan is a terrible quarterback, but I think he's just done. There's too many things that have gone against him, either self-induced or um, surrounding him, for him to be able to start another uh, team without, a, without an injury. So I, I think this is uh, uh, his last real run. So, but I do have them. And I'm winning this one. Um, the birds are praying for memes for memes to die, because everyone's still playing that, even though the team is nowhere close to what they were back back during the 20 to three days. <laughs> the birds that pray for memes to die, <laughs> but indeed, that's a meme in itself. Miami just lost to Jacksonville out in London, so they are, have to be feeling very embarrassed about themselves and embarrassed for their own, I guess, maybe self-being. I don't know. When you lose to the Jags, that's that's almost worse than losing to the Lions. I mean... But, who, but who's left on the team to be sad? I mean, Dolphins have had issues with injuries, too. That's probably the reason why they're not doing so well. That's true, but still... They lost to the Jags. <laughs> Everyone has their day. <laughs> That's true. Any given Sunday for sure. This one, give me Atlanta as well. 31-20. Miami is not much. Neither is Atlanta. With close slates, you get good games and you get crap games. This one turns out to be a crap game. And maybe this next one does too. I don't know how this one got to minus three. 
but indeed it did. Carolina and the Giants. Oh, I'll set this one off with the, the kitty that bites that bites back. Um, Panthers have had a rough few weeks. I uh, and I don't see that changing, but the Giants are just so incomplete, and you know, so hoping for their players to become superstars overnight that there's. I, I don't see the Giants being competitive even in the even in a bad NFC East for at least two or three more years at this point. Um, so I, I'm going with Carolina. I understand McCaffrey's still not playing. I understand the rest of the team's kind of falling apart, but I think they have enough to beat uh, the Giants. So the kitty that bites back is the meme again for this one. All righty. Yeah, the Giants. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Jokes, that's all I got to say. It's But it's Daniel Jones. No, it's Daniel Jokes. Because Daniel Jones, as an NFL quarterback, is a joke. He can run. His throwing ability, I still really question. Carolina wins this by three scores. 24-3. to three. I think the Giants are that bad. And yes, my Lions are terrible, but the Giants... Ooh, boy. <laughs> Goodness. The Nelson Aguilar Bowl, and yes, I know Aguilar is playing <laughs> in New England. Philadelphia and the Raiders. Hell, I'm going with the Silver Surfers only because the uh, Eagles have had a terrible offense, and their last um, good piece of offense, they just shipped off to the retirement community that is the Arizona Cardinals. So <laughs> with Earth's gone... Hurts is not going to be able to find like anyone. He's already had issues finding receivers this year. Uh, he just lost his only safety valve. There's there's no way that the Eagles are playing to win, and they're essentially going to throw J- Jalen Hurts under the bus here. I, I really think the, the Eagles organization is doing him a disservice by giving him nothing, and I have a feeling that they're going to drag this out to do a rebuild around a, around a quarterback that they don't trust have, have faith in to get a different quarterback in a couple of years. And it's not going to be his fault. Just surprising because, you know, people didn't like him to begin with. But I do think this is not his fault at this point. Some things you get thrown into and it's not necessarily your fault. Like yours truly at the radio station. Raiders. Or Geno Smith. Yeah, Geno Smith. No kidding. <laughs> I The Raiders are in a world of hurt. We've talked, we, well, we haven't talked about it on this show. And we may have... We may do a separate show on that actually this weekend if we want. I don't care if we do. But nonetheless, Raiders win this one because they have looked good ever since the resignation of John Gruden. Give me the Raiders 27, Eagles 14. Closer than Carolina and the Giants, but the score will be closer than the game actually is. Sunday night football, Colts and Niners. I think it's going to be a gold rush. Um, I, I, the Colts are essentially flying by the seat of their pants to try to be, stay competitive in a division that has one team that's good. Um, it's a pretty low bar, but the Niners are an, are an NFC West team that you know gets themselves beat up, uh, beats themselves up all the time. I do think there is enough there, even though the um, Rams are close against the Colts. I think it's going to be a Niners victory. Yeah, the um, the Colts had a Lions-like loss, according to Steve Levy, to the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, 
The Niners are literally my dynasty fantasy team. They're a great team when they're not injured, and the problem is they keep getting hurt, and so does my fantasy team. Maybe they need Jalen Hurts. I don't know. But um, it's at Santa Clara, which is the worst designed stadium in perhaps all four major sports. Because why make a stadium in the middle of the California sun, and then your solution for that is, oh, let's just make water cheaper. Oh, so you're not going to give any shade to your to your uh, to your fans? Oh, we're we're in a zone that you know people or the planes need to see where we're at. So what? I see you're nuzzling it between two highways. Yeah, <laughs> shade the field, make water cheaper. Good God, I'm glad that that my home team does not play in that stadium. But they're going to win this one. Niners 31, Colts 27. You're really big on the offense this week. I am. Close game, but ah, who knows? Whoever wins that is going to screw themselves over for the draft pick rather than help themselves for the playoffs (laughs) nonetheless. So that is your pickums for this week. And we're going to have a great time coming this Sunday. Anything else you have to add to this wonderful Tom Green podcast? I think that's it today. I know we'll have more to talk about as we go through our long weekend, but um, here's, to the, here's to the planes running on time, and uh, here's to making sure that everything that I've done the uh, intense planning for works as planned. Let's hope so, and let's hope nothing gets screwed up, and let's hope that uh, – we both have a lot of fun, including yours truly, and we know what we're talking about. He is Alex DeWitt, and this has been the Cherry Coke edition of the Tom Green Podcast. Recording stopped. Ta-da.